gun line, gun line, gun line. Fire mission coming down. You're on the gun line podcast where we shoot the shit like we did in the past. Today, I have a very special guest with me. He isn't a 13 banger, but he was maintenance. This guy is one of the top mechanics, even though I've never seen him move a wrench. But uh, I guess that's what he has for. <laughs> and um, it's a pleasure having you on here, brother. How you been? Been good, brother. Just living a dream, man. Sean, I've been retired almost three years now, so I think I'm starting to get the hang of it. Orale. And um, so those that might recognize him, we were served together in 277 Field Artillery out of Fort Hood. Uh, he, I'm sure he had other experiences before and after that. He was already a staff sergeant when I met him, so I just know him as Sergeant Cannon. And um, I don't do first names just to let you know that right now. <laughs> and um, But yeah, man, it's great to have you here on the gun line. How has life been treating you? For those that don't know you, why don't you give us a little about yourself, brother? Oh, man. Uh... So I spent my whole life in artillery, um, except for the towards the end of my career. Um, I started off, I enlisted initially enlisted as a 6-3 Delta, which was a self-propelled field artillery systems mechanic. So I did basic training in Alpha Battery 1st, 79th and Fort Seal. And then uh, did my training at Aberdeen Proving Grounds, Maryland. For my, for my, then I got to my first duty station, which was 4-4 Deuce and uh, Charlie Battery. F4 and 4th ID. That's who I did my first deployment with in the OIF-1. Right. Yeah, I was, I was artillery. My, well, that's when you knew me. I was a mechanic, but the reason you never saw me turn the wrench because I was always a... I, for like six years. Orale, okay. I did the mission, yeah. After OIF-1, all the way until I went to recruiting duty when I, I was a 13... I was rated as a 13 either 13, probably 30 or 40. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking matter. Did you get the same barbs while you were at it? Yes, sir. I got my same barbs at uh, 12 years in. Nice. Congrats. Congrats. That's what still irks me that I didn't get my fucking St. Barbs, man. Oh, so be it. They started giving away that shit to officers after like two years. Like, here you go. <laughs> they didn't have. I think you had, a, you had to have a specific kind of haircut and yours was too pretty. I was bald-headed like you are right now, man. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I let this shit grow out is because my kids, bro. And that and I needed to get a job in the civilian sector. And, you know, bald-head Mexican is not a, a very good style. Or it wasn't, at least when we were growing up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, they either thought you were a skinhead or a cholo. <laughs> <laughs> so where are you from originally? I'm from Galveston, Texas, bro. It's a little island off the coast of, uh, little island off the coast of Texas about. 45 miles due south of Houston, man. So I enlisted, when I enlisted in the army, enlisted at the Houston Mets. That's where they played my booty and stuff, so. How'd you end up uh, joining the military? What brought you in? Oh, man, I was poor, bro. (laughs) 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 Fucking, like, well, you know, most of my family, we talked a lot when we were downrange, but, you know, most of my family were either locked up or dead, so my the shit out of her because she's all so hard on me but ended up working out for me because all my cousins ended up in the penitentiary and uh, i ended up in the army hey damn yeah so it was basically uh trying to find a way out of the hood before you get wrapped up in the hood and then well i was already wrapped up so i was trying to get unwrapped and get the fuck out of there yeah i feel you on that brother we have a very similar pack past you and I, very similar. Oh, we used to smoke down by the gym and talk shit about that stuff. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Uh, do a lot of fucking uh, knuckleheaded things that we did in the past. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I never did shit, bro. I was always a good boy. Okay, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> That's better. <laughs> That's what's up. So um, after you did 4-4 Deuce, where'd you head out to? So I did I did my first four years at Charlie Battery 4-4 Deuce. Then I went to Korea. I was in Charlie Battery 1st of the 15th over on Casey. Then I went back to, well, I got back to, I was supposed to be like a team sergeant over at the, at the reception center. Like they snatched me up, Mm. but my battalion sergeant major, somebody saw me at the fucking PX. It was like, fuck SRC, what's up, bro? They went and told fucking, it was this uh, motherfucker. I get a phone call from my team sergeant. I it was like the day before they cut our orders. And he's like, hey, 
there's some sergeant major in this artillery, in this artillery battalion that really likes you. So they changed your orders to go over there. Three weeks later, I was in. Three weeks later, I was at, uh, in fucking Camp Air, John. Oh, <laughs> I mean, oh, Camp Buring. <laughs> <laughs> God, how many times did you deploy? Which, how many times? How many times? I did two Iraqs and in Afghanistan. Orale, okay. So yeah, because go ahead. No, no, my first two deployments were with uh, the first one was Charlie Four Four Deuce. Um, we had battle space out in Adwar. Okay. Kicking indoors, mm. turning wrenches part time and kicking indoors full time. <laughs> well, you know, we, we we rotated through a shit ton of missions, but then I went, I got back stateside. They deactivated Charlie. We stood up as Bravo Battery 277. My ass was right back in Iraq. And we did that. I was a PSD platoon sergeant out there for, uh, I was a 1 7. Hmm. So yeah, um, you used to go out on patrols, right? When you were on a second deployment. Oh man, it looks like we're having some connectivity issues here. Damn. There we go. All right, there we go. So, all right, so you were um, you were going out on patrols, right? Correct. I was a I was a smoke for uh, for first platoon, um, first platoon Bravo battery. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So, who, you guys are shit. Did a lot of traveling up and down the roads and shit. PSD and right. Yeah. So we were on a standard rotation. We did the, we did the two weeks on uh, on was it, what they fucking call it on there back then? When we did our missions, yeah. we do a week of fucking guard duty, then a week of fucking QRF, and then back on fucking main effort. Main effort. That's what they called it. Yeah. What the fuck they called it. <laughs> so yeah. So it was funny because no one knew I was a mechanic mm -hmm. except for like at first like they didn't know because they thought I was a 13 Bravo because they had known me as from when we got back from deployment in 0304 mm -hmm. they I was always functioning and as a 13 Bravo so it was funny to see the faces of my soldiers remember Dax Gary and Clinton and all those fucking guys when they found out I was actually a mechanic they're like what the fuck they got a mechanic in charge of us <laughs> so, Maybe. Uh, Fucking title is what I fucking do. <laughs> yeah, hey, but I was I was technically I was te technically and technically sound, so it worked out. Fucking yeah, Jack of all. My claim to fame is I was a certified section chief as a six three Delta. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, baby, Jack of all trades, master of none, huh? That's it, bro. So let's see. You hit um afterwards. So you did your time. I left Fort Hood back in 2007. I went to Korea. Yeah. You left after your you left after y'all stood up uh 582, right? Well, I left before they stood up 582. I took off. So I never got to claim that 582 thing. I left right before the patching over. Uh, That's when I went to 25 field artillery at Fort Seal. Oh, dale, okay. And I was a smoke out there for almost 3 years. Oh shit. What the then heck? I went to, then I went to recruiting duty. Right on. How long you do recruiting for? I did standard three years. I made E8 while I was on the recruiting trail. Ah, okay. Yeah. Damn. That's Go ahead. right after the, right after the OIF one or uh, 0507 deployment. I, I got picked up my first look for E7. Okay. And then I went to Fort Seal. I was initially going to be a drill sergeant at Fort Seal, mm. but because I made E7, they redirected me because they needed smokes and the batteries. Yeah. So they redirected me to two. I was supposed to go over to Tradoc, then they shifted me to two five to be a platoon sergeant. Wow, ain't that some shit? <laughs> so you were just basically on your ERB uh, uh, maintenance, but you were more field artillery than fucking maintenance. Spent, my first ten years in the army, I spent like basically my first four years in the army, I was straight up mechanic. Yeah, and then after I got back from 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 Korea, mm -hmm. that was it. I was never, I never did a, like a mechanic leadership position or nothing. I was never, I did, I was a platoon sergeant for seven and a half years, mm -hmm. seven years or whatever. Then I went straight to recruiting duty and then I got pinned, I got frocked first time when I got to Fort Bliss. Fucking hey. Oh, sorry to hear Fort Bliss, bro. I heard that's an asshole place to be at. You know what, bro? A lot of people talk shit about Fort Bliss, but it's a, it's a good duty, man. If it had a body of water, <laughs> it would be great. But it's so fucking dry, bro. And them fucking sandstorms, it's like being in Iraq. Oh, fuck all that. Y'all can keep that shit. 
uh, I got asked out. I went from uh, Korea. I went to Fort Stewart, uh, did some time there, and I ended up in Cart. Yes, sir. Hey, Rock of the Mar, baby. I loved it out there. Fucking, um, I thought it was going to be a hell hole. So you picked up B8, and then uh, did you go to... Um... So funny story. Go ahead. Very funny. So you think I made E8, I'm automatically going to go to be a first sergeant in a maintenance company, right? Right. That's what you would think. I would, yeah. I was selected to be a fucking security forces advisor for a fucking Kandak, as a, a, a infantry Kandak as a fucking E7P, E8. So... I did all the training, got all of my shit done, all my clearances, everything to do, go and be an advisor. Yeah. And then right before we deployed, the maintenance company first aren't got fucked over for, he was doing some dirty shit. Mm. So the Sergeant Gate called Sergeant Major say, hey, Big C, I got a job for you. I'm like, fuck you mean you got a job for me, Sergeant Major? I already got a job. Like we're deploying in like a couple of weeks, like literally like two weeks we're about to deploy. Oh shit. And so I get to my fucking, he's like, no, he's, I'm sending you to a, I'm sending you to Bravo company. I'm like, you're sending me to a fucking rifle company? And he's like, why, what the fuck would I send you to a rifle company? He's like, I'm sending you to the, and I'm like, you send me to a maintenance company. I'm like, why the fuck are you sending me there? I ain't been a mechanic in fucking 10 years. Right. So he, uh, long story short, man, I got fraught two weeks before the deployment. The fucking, I had 525 soldiers in my company. Mm-hmm. Spread across every fucking battalion, and I deployed with 200 and 287, two, and I had them on 34 different TIs. So I was always and I was always on the road. Yeah, got circulation and shit. But we did. That was my first taste of like logistics and shit. Them boys work hard as fuck. Oh, word. <laughs> Them boys work hard. God. So, so I did my first three and a half years as a, as a first sergeant at that that maintenance company. Okay, so you picked, um, you actually picked up uh, and pinned on first sergeant once you got out of recruiting duty and and moved to your next duty station. Then correct. Well, I got, I got, I made the list. Yeah, December eighth of eleven. Mm-hmm. Then I got, then I got frocked in twelve right before we deployed, and I started getting pinned. I started getting paid yeah. January first of two thousand thirteen. I was on the list. I was on the list for 13, 14 months. We before, before I finally got started getting paid, I did a job for a few months before right. I started getting paid. So when you hit Afghanistan, where'd you go to in Afghanistan? Uh, we were RC South, so I was down at Fob Walton in Cat in Kandahar. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, we, we they ended up closing that Fob not too long after we left, but that's where I was based out of. But like I said, I had soldiers all over RC South and part of RC East, so I was all over the fucking place, man. Yeah, I was in uh, RC East. Uh, we were at first. I was in Jaff out there, and then from there, they sent me over to Gambury to go train this fucking artillery monkey. Basically, SFAT. Uh, I guess you could call it that, but I mean, it was it was trying to train them artillery. It was just a uh, yeah. I don't know. Hopefully, they're doing fine now out there. What a waste of. <laughs> Hopefully they're not shooting their own shit. <laughs> These guys were fucking some like, of the monkeys. Team? What the fuck's a safety team? <laughs> I always say, why are we teaching them reciprocal lay when they barely know how to do one plus one equals two? You know what I'm saying? They can barely get the concept of a collimator. Now you're going to fucking ask them to fucking learn reciprocal lay? Forget it, man. But hey, I did my time and brought back over here. So, so, um, you made it finally out after you did 20 years? I was just under, just at 21, just, just before 21. Oh, shit, man. So how did, how did the, because how old were you when you came in? I was 19, almost 20. Oh, shit. Okay. So, damn, you, you didn't have that much of a civilian life as an adult. So uh, did you have any expectations when you got out to how the teaching versus the reality? I think, you know. I think I had uh, like a lot of just soldiers in general, not just seniors. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had, to, I, I tried not to have delusions of grandeur, but like you think like, fuck, I had them at my peak. I had, I managed more people than most of these companies that I was applying for had. Right. And, you know, and I was an exam, then I, you know, I was enrolled in grad school I was already accepted to an executive MBA program at U of H. 
Okay. And like everyone, I fucking network, 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 try to help shit out, but my shit got delayed, things didn't happen on time. And I had these jobs lined up, but I couldn't be out in time to do those jobs. And then of course, all those fucking jobs went away. And I think I put in like 70 something fucking uh, job applications. Yeah. And I had two interviews. Wow. And I had a bachelor's degree and I was a fucking, you know, I was an MBA candidate. Holy so, shit. What do you think? So, um, what do you think uh, made the difference um, as far as you being a candidate out of so many that out of so many applications you put in, you only got two back for an interview? A, a lot of some of them I was I was um, overqualified for. Right. Um, and then I went to, you know, like I went to one of the interviews on my resume it had and i even dumbed it down i put like 200 and something soldiers it, i didn't even put the real amount I right put it like less than half of what i was actually responsible for and the fucker still said oh well you got you were you know it was a pay cut but i understood like you got to start somewhere you know what i mean you can't they're like why are you why are you taking a twenty thousand dollar pay cut i'm like because i know i won't stay there long like i'll move up in the company three years i'll be making what i made again right and so I don't know. They're like, oh well, you're they called me, they're like, well, you're a little too overqualified. And basically they told me that they were fearful because of my experience and my education that I was gonna jump ship and they needed somebody for a long term. I'm like, but I want to do that job, like that's what I want to do. I want to fucking like I don't care about the pay, I just want to get the experience, I want to work and move up in the company. But so the second the other interview, the only two interviews I got mm -hmm. were because I knew people. Wow, dude. That's the only reason I got those interviews is because someone called the inter the, the hiring person. Yeah. And got me the, and that's how I ended up at Bank of America as a, as an executive at Bank of America managing a financial center. Oh, right on. So that's what you're doing now. You're working right. Yeah, so I manage a I manage a medium-sized financial center for Bank of America. So basically what they used to call bank presidents. Yeah. The person in charge of the bank, that's what I do now. They right. just call we're just called financial center managers, not bank presidents anymore. Right. I'm a vice president, but not. Congratulations. I mean, who would have thought that, you know, a, a, the inner city of Galveston that had a bleak future to some, I guess, you know, I'm pretty sure people probably wrote you out as another statistic, you know, was able to make a better future for himself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially like looking like this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> uh, and it's a trip. A lot of people, a lot of people probably, like I said, probably wrote you out like, oh, this was just going to be another knucklehead. But you fucking showed them last, you know, at the end. No, uh, bro, it was, I was going to end up in a bad place. If I would have stayed at home, yeah. I didn't like, ended up like, you know, a lot of my, some of my primos are serving life, fucking. So, you know, I had some, I got death row it's just fucking crazy bro like mm -hmm. and it's you know and i just thankfully i was in the right places i put myself in the right positions and i you know had some really good mentors yeah especially in the army because in the beginning i want to quit bro i don't like the way the motherfuckers talk to me bro they're right you know I mean? like i did not like the like people don't talk to me like that right and i mean it's humbling you know i mean it, it humbles you it did and it also taught me a lot of lessons because I came in like my 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 I fucking I was a driver for a battalion motor for a battalion motor star an old crusty ass V8. Yeah. Okay. Motherfucker was Vietnam era. Like he used to smoke weed with his first arm and shit. You know what I mean? Like that era. And so it's like the goddamn goddamn Nancy Reagan fucked it up for everybody. Fucking say no to drugs. <laughs> Fucking last six months in the army, bro. All he talked about was this fucking pound of weed he had sitting on his ranch in Tennessee. <laughs> came into the army in the late nineties, then, right? Uh, mid nineties. Mid nineties. Okay, yeah, because we're about the same age. You were born in seventy-seven. Yes, sir. December six, seventy-seven. Oh, shit, I got you by a fucking a couple of weeks. November twenty-fourth, seventy-seven. <laughs> so fuck. We were pretty close. Yeah, but uh, I came in several years later. I came in in two thousand and four. And you came in like fucking in mid nineties. So with okay, so when you came in, I mean, did you see um, a difference in the shift of the military? How it was going when you came in to when you got out? Being that you came in from you know straight lower enlisted and ended senior enlisted, 
What do you think are some lessons that, you know, you learned during that time frame that our leadership nowadays could probably want to implement all over again? Because I think there's been a, a shift in the army or in the military. Well, I think, I think the biggest thing, bro, is a lot of motherfuckers are assholes without a purpose. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, there has to be there has to be purpose behind it. Like, I mean, the definition of fucking leadership, right? <laughs> you know, the ability to excite soldiers to accomplish mission by purpose, direction, yeah. motivation. Like, it's fucking that shit's burning in my head mm-hmm. when I was a young soldier. But a lot of motherfuckers are, and then there's too many people trying to be their homies, dude. Like, like there's a, there's a separation of church and state that has to take place. And I don't mean like back in the day, bro. When I grew up, like I could run into one of my NCOs have a drink with them at the fucking bar. And then Monday morning, smoke would be in my ass and I wouldn't say shit, Roger Smoke at Parade Rest. You know, now like a lot of motherfuckers, when I was at E7 at Fort Seal, and I was drunk as shit in the club one night and this fucking soldier, I'm like, oh, call me Lilo, man, fuck that shit. You know, cause I'm drunk, bro. Yeah. So then I'm walking out the formation, PT formation and this motherfucker's like, hey, Lilo. Oh. The whole motherfucking every NCO in that fucking platoon, I had a platoon of 74 troops, fucking rah, just jump on his ass. But you know what I mean? It's just different. Yeah. Well, I mean, I learned that also in Korea. In Korea, I think that's something that you see more often because, yeah. uh, you know, I was in Camp Hovey, first and 15th, we went over to Hovey, which is still smaller than Casey, but it's still Area 1, Camp Hovey, Camp Casey. You're bound to run into each other. You know what I'm saying? Especially out in the Ville. Yeah. So, Go ahead, brother, if you got Yeah, you know, I got family. <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling. Yes, ma'am or sir. <laughs> Are you allowed to eat while on the podcast? No, I'm good. I'll be over there, baby. I love you. Love you. <laughs> Is that Mrs. Cannon? No, no, that was my son, Adrian. Oh, my that's- he asked me if I was if I could eat while on the podcast. <laughs> He's like <laughs> but oh yeah, one thing I noticed that in um in Korea though, I mean, when I was out there, I was a specialist. Then they gave me corporal, worst rank in the world. And then I, I, I became E5 and I got my own section. And, um, you know, but like you said, there was that fucking light switch that motherfuckers knew that when you were in the Ville, yeah, we'll party, hang out, whatever. And then once we get back to work, though, in the motor pool, hey, it's cheap again. You know what I'm saying? Twisted, you know, we're cool while we drink, but once we hit fucking, uh, once we get on duty, it's back on fucking duty. And push ups off the spade for real. Oh, bro, I had a story about that just recently. But, fucking, um, you know what's crazy is when I got to Fort Stewart, um, I noticed that's where my fucking mind flipped because I had heard Fort Stewart fucking was like their own army, fucking rock of the mar and top of the rock type shit. You know what I mean? When I get there though, I it, it kind of like blew my mind. I saw, I remember the first thing I saw was an E5 with his hands in his pocket talking to Joe's like it was all fucking good. And make my skin crawl right now, and I've been out for three years, <laughs> dude. I saw that shit, and I'm like, "What the motherfuck is this?" Now, you know, to give credit though, not all the other NCOs were like that. Just this one specific NCO, and I think it falls along the lines of what you're talking about. That they rather be cool and homies with their Joes than be the NCO that they're supposed to be. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of that happened because of these early promotions or automatic promotions, where they were promoting gentlemen that were not ready for that position or had the capability to learn. And it's, you know, there's still like, I was a firm believer in promoting on potential, mm-hmm. right? I think, now granted, maybe because I was in certain positions, I'm an exception to the rule. Cause I was always, when I got promoted, I was already functioning in that level. Like the first time I got paid for my rank mm-hmm. or my grade was when I was a first son. Every other time I was working out, you know what I'm saying? Right. But I'm a firm believer in promoting on, on potential. Cause you're not going to be a hundred percent ready for that rank. You know, you know, we all were, we're, you know, I used to call it, I'm a career student. You know, I'm always learning. I want to learn something new every day. Um, but it's hard being a leader, bro. And like, excuse me, that's something I've seen in the fucking between the civilian world. That's been really tough for me Yeah, is the level of leadership and, and overall responsibility it's so much different in the civilian world. Like, because, and that's what's hard for me to transition because my employees are like, boss, you can't say that, you know, right? <laughs> like, boss, you can't ask me that, you know? You can't ask me if I'm on my period. You can't say that kind of shit, you know? <laughs> <And> I'm like, <laughs> 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 I'm 
report right there. <laughs> like, and not in a, not, and I wasn't asking like in a negative way. It was like she was being a bitch or something. It was just like because she said she had to leave for something and she had an emergency. Right. And like a, and she's and so I just and it, it, she actually was and that's why she had to leave. Right. But she's like, boss, you can't you can't ask me that. So <laughs> so it's but it's just a lot different. You know what I mean? Like between the fucking. Uh, but I've seen that it's funny because a lot of leaders in the army make it like it's hard to transition just in general in the army and leadership. It's hard to transition and move into those new roles. And part of the problem is not just they were promoted too early, but they lack mentorship. Yeah. They lack mentorship. Like, you know, I had plenty of plenty of young NCOs that were promoted fast and the automatic promotion shit, and they ended up being outstanding non-commissioned officers mm -hmm. but a lot of times the best what's the best way to teach is by your example of course and i get you on that you know the army does promote does promote based on on potential however i think that it should also be taken into consideration what that platoon sergeant thinks what that section chief thinks you know that section chief is the one that works with that person one-on-one -on -one. i had one joe out in carson that you know he was eligible for fucking automatic e5 and i made sure i 4187 that, oh no 41 what is 4856 that asked yep i 48.56 that asked on why he wasn't going to the board because he was not ready i mean yeah you were a great fucking worker on the gun you did everybody your potential for leadership is not there and i don't see it you know the difference as a leader the difference is there right like I used to tell some, like my, my young leaders that they'd have those kids that get automatic promoted that weren't from Mira Mas Chulo Mirala. <laughs> <laughs> but I would tell them like they would get their pain they get all fucking pissed off. Like, oh, they're not ready. I'm like, where's the fucking council statements, bro? If it's that deep and you're fucking in your feelings so much that this motherfucker doesn't deserve that promotion, mm -hmm. what the fuck are you doing about it? Like you did what you're supposed to do. Well, now, like you had you had documentation back it up, but I can't tell the commander. Right. Like, hey, we can't do that. And these motherfuckers like he's gonna be a why? Where's the where's the, where's the, how you how do you quantify that? Exactly. Not only that though, I also put a plan of action in the back though of what I needed to see from him and what I was willing to do with him in order to get him to that level. You see what I'm saying? That's gonna follow up regularly like you're supposed to. Exactly. You know, because I grew up with a bunch of good fucking ncos all of y'all that were ncos to us privates were fucking outstanding leadership you know we, bad motherfuckers, bro. yo i mean i i hate I, I i hate to brag but honestly alpha battery 277 i'm sorry there's no finer fucking unit or bunch of ncos that i could have come up with everything from fucking first time first time down bro from yep. Britain all the way down yes sir you know it, i was blessed to have that great leadership and mentorship that um and you know you hit a, a a great fucking topic there mentorship maybe the army i think in their great thinking when we're a capping or sf tap i think it's called now maybe SFL, yeah. i think that they need to fucking start linking mentors up with these soldiers coming out to let them know what the realities are going to be versus their expectations you know that would be a great fucking you, we get fucking uh, what are they? What are they call when they bring them over from one place to another? Um, oh, uh, fuck! You got yeah. So why don't they make a sponsor for a civilian life? They actually do have them. They actually do have them. It's not army. The army can't sanction like sponsor it, mm -hmm. but they have nonprofits out there that you can reach out for specific industries. Really? And depending on the industry, because I was, you know, I read a lot and. Yeah. Uh, one of my my brigade sergeant major in Korea, um, that's what he does. He helps he helps service members, not just soldiers, right? But he helps service members transition to the civilian life. And I was reading one of the feeds. Fuck, I think it was yesterday when I was at a doctor's appointment or something. Mm -hmm. And there goes his interwebs. I'm blaming Houston for it. Oh, there you go. Oh, you couldn't see me or hear me? No, you stopped that. Um, you were reading the feed in the doctor's office. Oh, got you. Yeah, but the I was reading the feed, and it's on LinkedIn. And a lot of people sleep on LinkedIn, but LinkedIn has a lot of fucking good shit on there, man. Um, and 
and there's people that are out there that want to help right like literally they're asking people like they'll post some shit and be like hey first first 20 people to hit me up i'm looking at your resume nice or you know what i mean you just have to find those groups and find and link up with those individuals i mean you have ridiculous access to people that you know can really help somebody mm -hmm. but the problem is some motherfuckers are lazy that right? they want they want the motherfucker to do everything for them like hey it's like somebody like i had a guy reach out to me because you know bank of america was hiring this is probably a year and a half ago and um like hey can you check out my resume this and that la 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 so um they fucking like they wanted me to write their fucking resume for them Oh, what the fuck? And like, and he's well, because like, well, it, what it so what happened was the motherfucker sends me this resume, and there was nothing on it. And I'm like, I'm not gonna fucking like, I'm not gonna write your resume for you. Like, you gotta if you want me to put forth effort, you gotta fucking put forth effort. Right. Like, I'm not gonna like, I'm a fucking, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a student, I'm a fucking full time fucking, I'm working full time. Yep. Um, my son's got fucking sports that we're going to. Like, I'm busy, bro. Mm -hmm. fuck. And I'm willing to take my time to do it. But, but so that's what happens. I see those complaints all the time on fucking LinkedIn, bro. It, because they'll like see somebody that does a certain type of job. Like, you know, they're like, they help people transition. Mm -hmm. And rather than develop relationships with these people, it's straight, oh man, this motherfucker can help me. And it's like, they'll send them messages like, hey, can you look at this for me? And just attach a fucking resume. Like send them a friend request and that's their first communication with them. Exactly. Instead of building a relationship, they just want a quick hit. You know what I'm saying? And you were asking that question earlier that leads back to leadership, something that needs to change. Yeah. Motherfuckers need to leave. Technology is a great tool. Yes. It's a great tool, but that's all it is. It's a fucking tool. Too many people like that intrusive leadership mm -hmm. is starting to go away in the army. Like you got to talk to your soldiers. You got to know what's going on in their lives. You got to fucking be in the fucking barracks and you have to be intrusive <clears throat> because if you don't, and then it's like, everybody wants to lead through text message, lead through email. Like you don't want to fucking like, like fucking Talk to your fucking people. And then the younger, younger generations, bro, when I was, I was at fucking Fort Bliss, I walked, I like to walk out early before my formation and kind of just, you know, sneak around. Yeah. <laughs> I, walked, I walked by some fucking bleachers, bro. I shit you not. These two kids were sitting side by side, bro. Not two feet apart, texting each other. What the, f dude, that's like that fucking movie. Don't be a minister South Central. I'm drinking your juice in the hood. Where they're all, they call each other on the fucking cell phone. Like, you ready to... Oh, that's that shit. <laughs> and I'm like, and I like look over and I'm like, are y'all motherfuckers texting each other? Like, yeah, talk, Roger that for sure. And I'm like, y'all need to put the motherfucking phones away and talk to each other. Because one day you're going to have to counsel a soldier and you can't do that shit texting them through a motherfucking phone. You got to sit there white to the eyes and communicate with the motherfucker. Bro. I took over one section one time, and it was so fucking disheartening. I took over a section, bro. And, oh, not took over a section. I had some Joe come over from a different section. And I, I picked their uh, the counseling packet, their monthlies, right? I swear to God, man, you could grab the counseling statements, put them to the light. And the only thing that's changed is the date. Everything else was basically copy and paste. That right there is the most laziest shit I ever saw. Copy and paste, bro. I... I fucking counsel to the individual. You know what I mean? That's the way you're supposed to. What kind of fucking leadership are you are you uh providing this person who no wonder a lot of motherfuckers wanted to get out, man? Because they're like, you know, you're just basically a check the block NCO. You're not teaching me shit, you know? And luckily that one Joe that I saw, you know, he made sergeant first class now, thank God. You know, he went to 82nd, moved on up. And seeing that type of shit fucking it it gets my dick hard, man. Because this guy wanted to get the fuck out and instead he stayed in, you know? So moving back moving back into the civilian sector, um, did you have any other um, difficulties coming out? Like uh, any issues, say, with the VA coming out or anything that... You know, there's, so people are going to be mad at me when I say this, right? 
Some people are going to be mad at me, but what? I don't give a fuck. I'm going to say what I want to say. Say it. It's the so, gospel. <laughs> motherfuckers, like, I have had, I had one hiccup with the VA, and it's when I did my claim, but it's because I wasn't, I was ignorant. And I didn't know what I needed to do. But when I but did I resubmitted my claim and did what I was supposed to do, I, what happened was, you know, I have I had those brain those surgeries on my head, right? Okay. And so what I did was I just claimed that. I didn't realize that I had to claim my headache separately, you know, the surgery separately, right. the scar separately, the nerve damage separately, like all that shit had to be separate. The PTSD is different, you know what I mean? Everything was different. But aside from that, so hey, if you're listening, make sure you separate everything. Everything's individual. Don't yes, fucking, everything's individual. I don't give a fuck if it's one, if you got one major problem, every symptom tied to that fucking problem, put that shit on the list. That's a separate line item. Yep. But what happens is, bro, like, but other than that, I never have a problem with the VA. Same never here. My my say my 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 fucking when I use my uh, my post 9-11 for fucking grad school, it all got paid. There was a little mix up my last few months of the course, but that was something a VA they miscoded something. Right. Them, they fixed it. Um, anytime I've had any medical issues, like all the specialty clinics I go to, I'm not waiting there for thirty motherfucking hours. Um, I got on my kit medications. You want to know why people like now when I talk. When I say this, I'm only including newer generations. Okay. Right? When digital medical records were available. Right. Like, I'm absolutely not talking about like Vietnam vets, guys during that time before digital medical records. Right. Right. Because their shit is hard because they can't, but it's the same issue. But the difference is they're probably telling the truth and the new motherfuckers are lying. Right. So you know, the, if, if a motherfucker is having a shit ton of problems at the VA and val verifying their fucking problems and verifying their symptoms and this and that, it's there's one or two things. Either they're full of fucking shit or they didn't go to sitcom and it's not in their records. Documented. The reason I haven't had a problem is all of my shit is quantifiable. There hasn't been one thing. The only thing that I didn't get is when I cut my fingers off. It's hard to see, mm -hmm. but these two fingers, we were ground hopping a fucking uh, engine. For, it was probably a cat. I think it was a cat and a goddamn turbo sucked my hand in and cut the fucking fingers off. Fuck. But, but I went to Bennett Clinic at Fort Hood mm -hmm. and it was like 98 and they didn't have any record of it. But but aside from, but then again, I didn't fight them on that. How right. the fuck am I going to fight them on the piston? Because I don't have no fucking record of it. I can't tell them like, Hey, convince them without, you know what I'm saying? So there's, if it's not evidentiary. So a lot of people at the VA that are having the problems, it's because they don't have anything to substantiate it. Right. They don't have the documentation, uh, the paper trail, the paper trail. Bro, there were motherfuckers trying to claim PTSD that they were never deployed to combat. Bro, that is a fucking subject that I have hammered on there's motherfuckers that claim pts not even ptsd bro check this out i know one soldier never saw combat a day in his fucking life all right this dude um on the fourth of july puts up oh fireworks scare me oh my my fireworks are they need to sleep bro <laughs> i look at this guy and i'm thinking to myself like dude the only deployment you were on was the one i was on to afghanistan and um, in Afghanistan, we never fired our weapon at all. Not even in fucking, um, at, not even to zero the shit. You know, that was all done before we got there. So what the fuck are you talking about? You know, and I'm sorry. I do hate on the motherfuckers that put on those goddamn fireworks signs. They piss me the fuck off. Cry me a fucking river. Yeah, but I don't, I, I, Because, you know, it's not just the fact that, I mean, I just think it's fucking stupid, bro. Like, I mean, if if you don't fucking put some goddamn earplugs in, like if it, Dude, yeah. Like you're gonna, it just locked up. You're gonna piss on everybody else's shit because you're, bro, when I was the first sergeant at Bliss, mm -hmm. I had a soldier that, you know, we they're out processing and we have to check all their paperwork. Yeah. And the motherfucker had, like, was in the army like a year and a half. He was getting chaptered. And like, it was one of the guys I was chaptering out of the army. This motherfucker had like PTSD on this shit. 
like had only been, do you want to know why that motherfucker was claiming PTSD? He was claiming PTSD from the stories that his fucking roommate told him from his deployment. <laughs> did they give it to him? I don't know. I mean, it's the VA shit, so they did it. But, but I was like, I fucking like, I lost my shit, man. I'm like, that's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. Now, I mean, because there's different levels of PTSD. Like, there's like, because you have sexual trauma. You know, I was a sharp. I was, I work, I was like, there's a lot of different types of PTSD. So right. when I'm talking specifically combat related PTSD, I just want to be clear because there are a lot of soldiers that get PTSD from a lot of different things. Maybe they had a, like vehicle accidents, sexual trauma, fucking multiple accidents, training accidents. I mean, there's a bunch of different reasons they can get, you know, they watch their fucking, you know, their buddy get crushed by a fucking- Or something, yeah. Exactly, yeah. right, you know, I, that's, so I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about motherfuckers that claim combat-related PTSD that have never been to fucking combat. Dude, this guy, I had this soldier who tried to commit suicide by cutting his arm. That was his attempt to suicide. <sighs> Yeah, that was the my fucking jokes that I had to deal with, bro. We got him the fuck out. This motherfucker, I heard he came talking. He he came gloating that he got eighty percent VA. I hope that they fucking reval this motherfucker, and that you know they they catch him for stealing from the government because that's fucking disgusting, man. It's those motherfuckers that clog up the system. But back to what you were saying about documentation too on your way out of the military. Documentation is very fucking um. You got to get it done, man. When I was getting that, you know, I, I got med boarded out. And what I did was draw this. All right. I don't know if y'all can see that, but it's a stick figure. All right. It's a stick figure that I drew. And from head to toe, I you didn't, me, you didn't tell me you were an artist, bro. Fucking Picasso, man. <laughs> yep. Hey. What I did, I drew that, right? It's like a couple soldiers I know. Right, for real, brother. You know, <laughs> right here is probably 100% better than a lot of the jokes that are in now. But so what I did was from head to toe, I wrote down anything that I ever got fucked up on. That way, when I went to go sit down with my Pueblo or, you know, my representative, I had it documented. Okay, TBI from this. Okay, it was a grenade that exploded or a fucking IED that went off. Bam, got that. And again, like you said, it's got to be fucking... You got to have shit that substantiates it, you know? And then, so from head to toe, I don't give a fuck if I slam my foot against a track because I was kicking this shit out of being pissed off. I'll put that bitch in there like, hey, man, probably cost me ain't grow toenail. I don't fucking know. I'm getting that bitch on there. You know what I mean? And, um, but a lot of fools, it sounds like they don't want to do the legwork to get the benefits that they're entitled to. Or they just want to take advantage of the system, like you said. You know what I mean? The other part is, I know what I'm going to tell you something else that on the flip side that, that irritates me. And that we have a lot of good brothers and sisters that think like they don't want to go through, they don't want to do it because they feel like they're taken away from somebody else. Yep. And so when I say pisses me off, I mean it like bothers me because those people are entitled to stuff for real shit that went down. They earned it. They're trying to be good, thinking, oh, I'm fucking somebody else by doing it, but they're not. Like, it's that's not the way it works. And so I tell people all the time, like, man, get, fucking file for your shit. And even if you don't want the money or you don't, you like, it doesn't, like, you need to have that shit on record because 20 fucking years from now, when you can't work and you got all these fucking medical problems. Now it's been 20 years and you're going to have problems getting your shit fixed or getting your shit quantified because you never did it when it was easy to find the fucking shit. I had a guy reach out to me, one of the one of the old NCOs I used to work with back in Carson. He was telling me because we came up, you know, with the with the suck it up and drive on. There's a lot of shit that, yeah, we got to suck up and drive on for sure. Hey, we have to do it, you know. And but when you start telling me I got back pain, motherfucker, you in the field artillery, you're going to have back pain. Got it. That's that comes with the territory. Now, in a thirty-eight pound round. <laughs> I mean, that there's shit that comes with the territory, and you know, you suck it up and you fucking drive on. But now, if it's something that's really fucking bothering you, hurting you, you know, let's say you tore a MCL, get that shit written up, guy. You're not gonna suck up and drive on that shit. There, 
there's a difference between sandy vagina and like, hey, I'm legitimately fucking hurt, you know? Well, that's what I like my son. I've been Adrian, like he plays sports and I try to teach him the difference. Like, Mijo, there's a difference between hurt and being injured. If you're injured, you need to get that shit fixed. If you're hurt, fucking throw some mud on that shit and quit whining like a bitch and move on. <laughs> but what sucks is um, there's a lot of vets out there, like you were mentioning, that they missed out on the opportunity to get that shit documented because they did their four or five years, got out, and now they're suffering from it. And they're having difficulties trying to fucking get that shit put on paper or get compensated for it. So, I mean, do you have any advice what they can do? For example, I know for, for Texas, at least, for Texas, we have the TVC. Uh, is it TVC? Texas Veterans Committee or something like that? Texas Veterans Commission. Yeah. Those, those autos right there will help you the fuck out. They will fill out all your paperwork for you. I'm going to tell you another one that's real good that a lot of people don't realize. And... um you can fucking share my email if you want to. We can connect or you can just do a simple Google search. Mm-hmm. Um, disabled American Veterans, the DAV. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's like a lifetime membership. It's like 250 bucks or some shit, right? It, it, there is a fee to like, but if you go through their process, they have advocates that that's their whole fucking life is to help members of the DAV get the shit that they deserve. Yeah. So, and the other piece is when, before you fucking get out, what I did was I went like, I went like up to like six months before I fucking, it was time for me to fucking start to leave. Mm-hmm. I went and got my, I ordered my fucking, all my medical records on a disc. Yes. Right. And got everything on a disc. And I, st- I saved that shit to three different fucking computers and I still have the disc. And then Right before, like when I was, I had finaled out, mm-hmm. I went back to them or like right when I started uh, fucking out processing, right. I went back to fucking Darnell and had them fucking give me a copy of all my medical records from when they, when the last one I got to the present. So I have all my fucking shit. So if the VA was missing anything or, but it's not just the VA, bro. It's like I have a PCM in a civilian. Like I have Tricare for life. Right. I was able to share shit with my fucking PCM, my you know my regular doctor, right, to help him treat better treat some of the shit that the VA is not treating. Or like you know, depending on which is less expensive for me is the direction I usually go. <laughs> right. But, but I mean, you know, you can't make you can't gain wealth by giving it all away. Hey, but but you know what I'm saying. But it helps you in other ways, and then you keep that shit. But a lot of motherfuckers are stubborn. They don't want to do legwork. They don't want to, you know. And those that aren't stubborn and don't know, hopefully now they know and they can fucking make it happen. Yeah. So you guys out there, if you're listening, man, if you are legitimately fucked up and unable to fucking get any uh, any assistance, go check it out. DAV. They, all you got to do is Google that shit. Everybody Googles. DAV. I'm sure there's a Facebook for it. Get it up. Yeah, there's, there's everything, man. And it's a great organization. And like, it's crazy because when I signed up for them, I had a lady that worked for the, she was a friend of ours from Fort Bliss. She, she helped my wife like with her master's program. She told me like, hey, right before I retired, make sure as soon as you retire, you you, you go, for, you know, become a DAV member. Orale, okay. And when I resubmitted my claim, because I had to resubmit it to do an amendment, Without me, I didn't even put anything on there about the DAV. When my paperwork came back approved, it had sponsored by disabled American veterans and then everything. Like they, because I was a DAV member, they automatically picked oh, my shit up and sponsored it. That's what's up, dude. That is fucking what's up. So that's, that's, a, good, that's a great program. That's good shit, man. Hey, uh, hopefully a lot of motherfuckers will start paying attention to this fucking podcast and uh, listen to that. Go check out the DAV. So now that you're out, man, and you're the family man, and um, the military is in is in your past, uh, do you think you'll ever fully integrate? Not I don't want to say integrate, but fully leave the military behind you? No, it's <laughs> impossible, bro. It's impossible. Like especially, I mean, and I think that's probably even true for troops that just do their like their you know one and done. Yeah, because there's certain paradigms you establish. You're not using big words, paradigms. Yeah, that's it. Hey. Don't know what the fuck that means. Hey, that's uh, it. Uh, norms. Para- uh, 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 norms. 
Yes, my bad. That's the ten cent word. But, <laughs> like, <laughs> but hey, that's that fucking seventy five thousand dollar masters that the arm that the government paid for. But uh, fucking, it's just tough, bro. Like I can't. I'll never like, and not in a negative way. I'll just never be the same, and I don't think I would want to be. Right. But like. That's the, you know, man, the hardest part of my fucking transition, and I've heard you talk about this, is fucking the level of respect. Like, there is, civilians are some of the most disrespectful fucking people I've ever met in my life. Mm. And, like, you know, I, and I manage a financial center, so I, I fucking deal with everybody that comes in my bank. And some of these motherfuckers talk to me crazy, and I'm like, you got the wrong one, bro. Like, you don't like, I'm not the average bank executive. Like you fucking up right now, you know? Um, and I try to be polite, but don't when, let I, first, come when I first started, it was really hard because I'm, I'm surprised I kept my job, but I, well, I work for a great, I work for a great company. So, <laughs> You know what kills me is the structure that there's no structure out here for people. You know, it's like, I was, I would not want to say it was frowned upon, but I would show up early to work. Because you're always taught, you know, 10 minutes and 10 minutes, you know, you show up. So apparently I was showing up way too early. I couldn't even go into the building because um, I would be too much of a liability. If something was to happen to me, that's workers' comp or I could sue. You know what I'm saying? So I had to wait in the parking lot. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. And go ahead. No, no. So, I mean, some of the, the biggest um, things that I've had to to honestly overcome since I became a civilian again or is and i'm gonna talk about this more along the lines on the midweek memo i'm bringing that shit back is wanting to belong bro you know wanting to belong and a lot of it for myself you know i've always wanted to belong hence why i just some knuckleheaded things back in my past hence why the military was always a calling for me hence why even in the military i i joined a fraternity which uh, i'm sure you recall um you know we'll just say lg you know what i'm saying and um <laughs> And um, so it's just that sense of belonging. And once I came out into this into the civilian sector, it was difficult belonging with any specific kind of group or clique, if you would, because I have nothing in common with these people out here because I'm not eye to eye with them. So I was able to uh, merge myself or start integrating toward the MC culture, which I enjoyed because they were structured. They had the same views and things of I, that I enjoyed. and so wanting to fit in, you know, being that fucking that square peg trying to fit into a fucking or that square into that 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 round peg, I can't. I'm still trying to figure out my where I'm wrong. Yeah, my place here in civilian sector, and it's difficult. No, it's, and it's you know, it's funny. I was as I was driving home from work, I was thinking about the podcast, and I just it was I was thinking about like. I still miss the army. I mean, fucking Shauna, like not even two weeks ago, told me, like, babe, maybe we should have just stayed in. Because I complain all the time. You know what I mean? Like, so I think it's, I just, and it's, it's the two biggest things for me are loyalty and respect, bro. Like, motherfuckers, like, if I would die for you, I would definitely be uncomfortable for you. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And like, example you got like you'll have employees and i can't i can't state any specific examples because i have to speak broadly um but like motherfuckers calling out to work uh, out calling out right like we have a specific team a certain number of people that we're allowed to have mm -hmm. and if one person's missing it makes a difference but motherfuckers just like fuck it i'm gonna be sick for the next two weeks and just not go to work Bro, nail on the fucking head. MLA. <laughs> fucking nerves. Fucking nerves. Bro, I work in a call center environment, you know, and um, so I work as an interpreter uh, for this insurance company. And um, we're a very small team. We're a very small team that, and if, you know, we got a couple of people missing, that impacts our fucking, um, our service level. Yeah. Impacts the fucking hold weight. Or the wait time, which impacts our our numbers, our metrics. So when motherfuckers go on FMLA, and you civilian motherfuckers, y'all know what that is. That's that family medical leave bullshit. All right. 
And what gets on my nerves is if take it if you fucking deserve it. I mean, if you're using it for real. But when you're using FMLA to go to fucking Las Vegas or go to the fucking beach, you're fucking everybody over. You're being a fucking dick. And, you know, I wish I was a fucking snitch, but I don't snitch. But you, you'll get caught up when you get caught up, motherfuckers. FMLA, bro. I'm not, I'm not a snitch either, but uh, there was, I've heard stories mm-hmm. of people being cooled off because of COVID. Mm. You know, you got to be off for 14 days. Mm-hmm. And they got pictures, and then they're posting on social media, like they're in fucking tropical islands and shit, and like going to weddings in fucking Dominican Republic. <laughs> I'm like, motherfucker, you're supposed to be at home self-quarantine, not in a whole ass another country partying. This <laughs> email gets sent with pictures on it and be like, hey, you know what? But uh, uh, the unfortunate part is nowadays, everything is fucking, at least in the civilian sector where I work at, bro, everything's got to be documented as far as like before you term somebody. And, you know, it's not like, okay, you fucked up, you're fired. Now there's so afraid of a fucking lawsuit that... Well, it's very much like the military. Yes. Like, it's very similar to the military. Like you got to have 4856s before you give someone a company grade or before you give someone a fucking field grade or if you try to chapter them, you have to have a packet bill. Yeah. And so it's the same exact way, but it requires so much time. And HR and legal, like they don't give a fuck. They'll tell you like, if you don't do it the right way, that one don't count, throw it out, delete it off the system. You know hey. what I mean? Like, so you have to be, so yeah. it's a lot like the it's a lot like the army. Well, I can't speak for the military in general, but I assume most UCMJ is UCMJ, yeah. but that it's a lot like the army. So, um, but it's even harder now though because of COVID. So, like because people are working in certain environments, a lot of companies have been more relaxed on their not standards mm-hmm. of like as far as, but they've been more relaxed on the shit they let people get away with. That's so. Dude, I mean, I don't know. It's a fucking trip to me. What are some things you miss about the military? The same shit you miss about the military. Everything, then. <laughs> the, same, the same shit you talk about every every motherfucking Friday. <laughs> I, mean, oh, I, just a, I just got a motherfucking Charlie horse. What the hell? <laughs> God, it, it ain't because I'm working out. <laughs> Bro, I haven't worked out a day in my life since I got the fuck out the military. I got the COVID 30, as I call it, which is the 30 pounds after you get out, um, you get the, you know, the quarantine. I got 30 pounds on. I had the fucking veteran 20 because you gain like 20 pounds after you get out the military. Bro, fuck that. I gained a veteran 20 before I retired and had to lose that shit. <laughs> Bro, I saw my retirement photo and I'm like, God damn fat motherfucker, bro. You lost. And, uh, Cause I've lost, I lost like 35 pounds. Word. Yeah, I'm down to like I'm down to like my more closer to my army weight, like 235. But yeah, I got up to like 260 something, bro. Like 268 at my fattest. <laughs> I was fat, bro. That's and, why um, I think. <laughs> yeah, so, but yeah, so I've uh, I've lost some weight and shit. But man, if you look, I, I, I'm ashamed to look at my fucking uh, retirement photo, bro, because I look like a fat fucking piece of shit. I look like the fucking the fat ass senior NCO that everybody talks about. Oh, <laughs> damn, brother! I feel you on that. I feel you. Hey, but you've made some. But you know what? You were a good NCO. You left from the front, so that's forgivable. We know who the real fucking Zarn Cannon was. You know. Hey, it's been great having you on here. Do you have any words of wisdom for any veterans or anybody that's soon to be out that you would want to leave them with? Um, I don't know about words of wisdom, but I am available, bro. Like, hit me up on Facebook Messenger. Uh, my, I think my email's on there. If you have questions, you need anything. But the primary word, the primary word of wisdom that I'll leave you with is find a fucking mentor. And I'm not talking about the motherfucker standing to your left and your right or the person that your fucking, that your mentor is in the army. Find a fucking mentor in a civilian life. Find somebody that you can talk to to give you advice because it's important. Like, cause if, if you didn't like, I would be, if, if it wouldn't have been for my buddy that I was in recruiting duty with, I never would have, well, I can't say I never would have got on with, with the, where I'm at now, yeah. but it would have been, I would have still, I would have, 
a few more months, I would have still been struggling trying to find a job, even with the credentials I had. And so find a fucking mentor and don't pigeonhole yourself into one. Like, think about industries because there's some shit you think you'd be good at that's the civilian world. You're like, man, this fucking sucks. Also with that, I think I would say um, on your way out, have a resume, but make sure you know how to tailor it to the job that you're specifically applying for. 100%. That's great advice. Because if not, one and shoot it out to everybody, you're going to either come out way too qualified or it has absolutely nothing to do with the fucking job you're applying for. So and, on that, and on that note, you were talking about SFL TAP earlier, Soldier for Life Transition Assistance Program. Do that shit and pay the fuck attention. Don't use it as just a way to get the fuck out of work and not, not be in a motor pool working on a goddamn gun and a cat. Right. Use that shit. Take your time and fucking soak that shit up because there's a lot of resources that I overlooked because I thought I had a plan. I thought shit was perfect. You need to think about that shit like go into that shit like you don't have a plan word hey man it was great hanging out with you i hope these motherfuckers get something out of this uh thank you everybody for kicking it here for the last hour with us here on the gun line make sure you guys stay tuned for next week i'm gonna drop the midweek memo and um i'm coming back with it i can't fucking quit it so i'll catch y'all on the midweek memo thanks sergeant Cannon, for being here with us and y'all be easy out there love peace and hair grease Thanks for being here once again, man. It's been an honor. Damn, you look suave with that hair, dude, brother. <laughs> All right, y'all. Love, peace, and hair grease. Rounds complete. Intermission. Gun line out. Bye, motherfuckers. Hello. All right, brother.